Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. Welcome to our grand opening here at our new location in Ontario. I've been listening to a biography of General Lewis Burwell Chesty Puller. And uh, he was a legendary Marine, I understand if you look him up in the dictionary or the encyclopedia, his picture would be next to the, the word Marine. Um, but he, he was an amazing guy. He fought mainly in the world, in World War II and the Korean War, but a bunch of stuff before that. While Chesty was fighting in World War II, his daughter back home asked her mom one night, um, what is, what is God's, uh, last name and rank? <laughs> and so she, the mom, quick on her feet, said, well, God's last name is Almighty, and his rank is General. And so from then on, when she would pray at night, she would pray, Dear General God Almighty. <laughs> I, I think that's great. Um, the powerful way our families shape us, uh, it shapes who we are. It's, it's undeniable that that occurs. Uh, Chesty's daughter, Virginia, was from a military family. Uh, this shaped her view of God and gave her a unique perspective on life. I, I would say if God is a general, he's a countless star general. <laughs> he's, he's, he's up there for sure. Uh, highest level. Families, though, shape us in a powerful way. No family is perfect. All of us are more or less ideal. All of us have problems. Yet, the family we come from shapes who we are. I grew up in Southgate, California, eight and a half miles from downtown L.A., I enjoyed growing up there. Now I love cities. I'm, I'm not a fan of the country. I'll go there occasionally. I like the scenery. Uh, I enjoy the people. I'm not a fan of the mountains. I like plumbing, infrastructure, and all of that stuff. But anyway, I grew up at Southgate. I had a great experience there, and I, I love it. I love the cities. I went to L.A. City Schools through ninth grade. This shaped my values early on, and... It impacted me. My dad was an electrician. Now, this impacts my mentality. I'm kind of from a working class family, and that's, that's what impacted me there. My, my parents were Christ followers, very involved in the church, definitely powerful shaper of me. The way my parents related to me, the, the way they made decisions that impacted me, shaped me in a very, very powerful way. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Bible to answer the question, how can I help my family be all it can be? From whatever seat you're in in the family van, what, what is it that you can do? What can I do to help my family be more ideal? It's not ideal. None of us are. But what is it that I can do to respond to the challenges that are going on in life and the struggles that we're having? What is it that I can do to help 
move past those challenges to help the family be more ideal than it is right now. We aren't locked down by our past. Not at all. God wants to help us move beyond the past. He, he wants to help us move forward in life. So in this series, we're going to look at God's ideal for the family. Not to discourage us because, you know, sometimes when you look at the ideal and then the real is going on, you know, it can be discouraging. But we're going to look at the ideal so we have a blueprint to build on. That's, that's why we're going to look at it. The perspectives and habits of relating that you find in the Bible apply to family life and spill over into all of the other circles where we live and relate. If you're single and don't have kids, I think this series will be a help in a, in a couple of ways. You'll see God's ideal so you can grow away from wrong perspectives, values, bad habits of relating that you picked up along the way. And you'll learn how to better contribute to the other circles you're a part of as well. Uh, not only family, but at work, uh, among friends in your neighborhood, here at, here at church. If you're parenting kids at home right now, the series aims to give you God's perspective and value so you can build them into family life and, and beyond to your other circles. This, this is what we're aiming to do here. If you're a grandparent, you should take away some principles for influencing your grandkids for the good. That's, that's what we're trying. We, we want to help. We want to help you wherever you're at. That's the goal of our series. One of the myths that runs through our culture in a very, very strong current is that good families come together like fairy tales. They just sort of happen. They, they, you know, we connect in a romantic view. In this fairy tale, an enjoyable family, it's, it's out there somewhere waiting to be discovered like Prince Charming discovered or found Cinderella, the love of his life. Uh, if this is reality and your family is far less than ideal, you're stuck. Because uh, it, it didn't happen for you. It ha- it's not happening for you like it did for Cinderella and Prince Charming. And it's just not going on that way. A strong, enjoyable family isn't a fairy tale that happens to you. It's something you build with intention. It's, it's something you build. There, there's a great deal of intentionality that goes into building a house that becomes a home. Uh, it becomes a home when the family moves in, but while they're building it, uh, there's a tremendous amount of intention. Here's a blueprint of a home. This is page one of many, many pages of the blueprints for this home. Basically, this, this, this blueprint shows the backyard and the dimensions of it and how it's been made. Uh, here's a drawing of the home. So it goes from blueprint to a drawing, so you get a picture of what it looks like. That's what we're doing in this series, trying to get a picture of what family life, what God wants family life to look like. Um, it, it helps to get a vision of the finished product uh, through this drawing. And then here's a picture 
of the house after it's built. This is the same blueprint, different colors of the house. Same, same blueprint that the drawing was, but different colors. God has given us a blueprint for family life in the Bible, and knowing it helps us build with intention. That's why we're digging in today. Homes without a true source have no sense of true, true north. They're, they're not quite sure which way to go. Homes without truth, without, without an outside guiding authoritative blueprint are usually a mess. Uh, you, you may feel it, be feeling like a mess right now because you, you don't have a blueprint to follow or you're just making it up as you go along. This is what we experience. So we're going to look at God's blueprint in this series. With that in mind, let's discover God's ideal for families. And we don't have time to go into great detail, but I want to look at two broad purposes for the family that sort of give us a sense of God's ideal for families. Often the ideal and the real clash and mar the family picture. Uh, here's a Christmas picture of my family when the kids were growing up. Uh, you can tell you know, we're dressed just so. Um, my wife made sure of that. She, she was actually the only one that was enthusiastic about this whole event. This photo opportunity, she was the only one really pumped about it. And so this happened every year. Everybody's smiling in the picture, but uh, what happened right before this wasn't pretty. Um, I can tell you. Thad and I were dragging our feet. He was probably taking his cues from me. We were looking around for the perfect place to take the picture. We were going through the neighborhood and we picked this spot, and uh, mainly because I was dragging my feet, he had, you know, an attitude, and I made a caustic remark that hurt his feelings, which caused the wheels of cooperation to grind, and, you know, so I had to work through the whole thing of, oh, oh that was wrong. I need to ask Thad to forgive me. Thad, would you forgive me? And then we could move on. But, you know, this, this is the way it goes. You would never know that, would you, <laughs> by looking at this picture. If I didn't tell you the story behind that picture, you, you would have no idea what was going on there. My point is this, that you see the picture, but you don't know the backstory unless I clue you into it. And every one of us remember that event differently. We all remember it, I guarantee you that. <laughs> but we see it differently. So the best thing we can do as families and as people in those families is to measure ourselves against God's idea. Don't, don't go wide and start comparing yourself with others. That's very tempting. We only see the outside. We only see the family pictures that are put up at Christmas. Now they're on Facebook. This is old school social media here. <laughs> we sent these out. Um, Refuse to envy or, or worry over what other families look like from the outside in. Don't, don't do that. If we see the ideal, God's ideal, then we can take steps to move toward it. As we walk through this message series, please, please keep in mind that God, God is very gracious. He, he's merciful. 
He's gracious and he gives us more than we deserve, and he's merciful in that he doesn't give us what we deserve. This is, this is God. This topic of family life can bring up a mix of shame and guilt in our hearts and minds. And frankly, I'm glad that some scenes from my past aren't showing up on these TV screens right now. That's that. I'm grateful for that. God wants to help us build from where we are right now. Not from where we should be. Not from where we could be. But wherever we are right now, he wants to help us build. So, we find in Genesis, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, that's where we're going to start. We find there that God has a specific purpose for family life. He lays it out. Genesis is often, often called the book of beginnings, so that's where we're going to start. God's ideal is that families team up to get dominion. This is what God wants. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is known as the cultural mandate or it's also called the great mandate. But there, there is all things that God got moving in this statement here. With this command, God gave a great deal of purpose to family life, and he spoke meaning into it. In the day ins and outs, days of everyday life, he spoke a tremendous amount of meaning into it. And the thing I want to focus on is the fact that men and women are instructed to have kids and get dominion. That's what he tells us to do. The definition of the Hebrew word here, this was originally written in Hebrew, The definition of the Hebrew word for dominion literally means to rule over or dominate. That's what it means. Practically, then, what this means in this context is that dominion is to subdue something and make it useful for a purpose. That's what God's telling us to do. If you have a piece of land, if you have a house, if you have possessions... God wants us to manage them, wrangle them, and that's what it's like, isn't it? Wrangling. I mean, when you have stuff, it just weeds grow, things happen, and you've got to wrangle and manage and try to get your hands around it. And so God commands us to subdue it and make something useful of it. There are plans for a grand park in Ontario Ranch. Here's a drawing of the plans for the park. Uh, This gives you a picture or a vision of what it could look like. It's it's sort of cartoony looking, but it gives you some ideas of where trees are going to go, where venues are going to happen. Here's a picture of what the area looks like right now. It's raw land. Well, it's not really raw. It's been, it's been used for another purpose, you can tell by looking at that picture. It's been groomed. Somebody else has subdued it <laughs> and gotten dominion over it for another, for another purpose. Now, to get dominion 
to turn that raw land or that land into a grand park is going to require a tremendous amount of cooperation. You know, there, there, there's going to be uh, cooperation on a large scale. Government agencies, companies, workers, everybody's going to have to pull together to turn that land into a grand park, which, which looks cool. I mean, I think it's going to be cool. Um, on a smaller scale, God entrusts families with things. He trusts individuals with things, houses, yards, possessions. And he wants us to team up as a family to get dominion over them. So we do chores like cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, paying the bills, setting up tents to camp out so the family can have some recreation. And you know, a long list of other things. These are small examples of ways that families team to get dominion. And there's there's a big, big long list, as I said. They're small, but the way we handle these kinds of things determine the amount of enjoyment we have in families. They either make life good or not. This is the way it goes. We team up to subdue what's been entrusted to us so we can use it for a good purpose and enjoy it. This is God's purpose for the family, and it brings a tremendous amount of, mon- uh, of meaning to the mundane. I mean, you know, who likes to clean the house or do dishes? Well, actually, I know some people who do. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the sense of accomplishment when you get it done. You know, that's it's a good thing. But, you know, it can be a grind doing these things. But God, God, this is what God intends. He wants us to team up together to make these things happen, to subdue what he's given us and use it for a good purpose. This is, this is his intent. Um, as we team together to get dominion, God wants parents and individuals to zero in on something vital for the success of the family and the culture at large. Character and values. God's second major ideal that as we're, is as we're teaming up to get dominion, families are places where character grows. This is, this is what God wants. Malachi 2.15 says this about the purpose of marriage. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Godly is a word that sounded somewhat otherworldly to me. I couldn't put my mind around what it means. I couldn't get a good definition of it. When I first read it, I'm like, well, that sounds like out there. Uh, But practically, to be godly means to be God referenced. So you're as you as you live there are two facets to being godly. First it means as you're living life, you're handling the situations that are flowing by in your life, you're thinking, okay, what would God want me to do right here? How, how would God want me to handle this? 
That's that's you're 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 referencing God. You're you're thinking through. Okay, from His perspective, what do I do? How do I respond? What do I say and do? Uh, we find God's perspective in the Bible. So, if you decide to follow Christ, then you're trying to learn His perspective in Scripture, and you're trying to apply it to the situations that are flowing by in life. A Christ follower's authoritative blueprint for life is the Bible. A second facet of godliness is this: in this passage, connects to God's character. We aim to raise kids with a character like his. That's, that's what he wants. He, it's best expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. So we say to be godly means to have a character that's like Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. So there's, a, there's a long list as well. So that is where God wants us to take the family. That's where he wants us to go as individuals. That's where he wants to take the family. Um, for example, the Bible values endurance a great deal. Now, I, I would never in, in my native state have valued endurance quite like the Bible does. Um, just wasn't in my makeup. <clears throat> a steadfast, and it defines endurance as this. You're under a tremendous amount of pressure but you don't pull out from under the pressure and give up on the goal. You keep working forward to, toward the goal, even in spite of the pressure. So endurance faces adversity and keeps pursuing the good goal that God has for us in it. This is, this is what he says here, and that's, that's, that's endurance is important. Now, life is a laboratory for developing endurance, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's what I've found. It's a lot of work. Now, my daughter, Lindsay, switched schools between her freshman and sophomore year of high school. At her new school, they offered logic and debate. And Dad thought, man, that sounds like a great class to have, logic and debate. I thought it would be great, and I encouraged her to take it. She took the class. She showed up the, the first day of school, and the teacher was a new, new teacher. She's just out of college. And she gave an, an assignment that would have intimidated a master's level student. I mean, it was, I, it was, it was a little mind boggling to think through how are these sophomores in high school going to figure out the answer to this assignment? And so her first assignment in the class was a beast. And as she started to try to get the assignment done, she melted down. Um, and my normal response, the way I'm wired, I like everybody to be happy. So my native response would be to say, hey, honey, that's okay. You don't have to do it. That's a little too hard. In my mind, I'm thinking, what was this teacher thinking, giving this assignment? But I, you know, thankfully, none of that came out. I realized the value of endurance, and I encouraged her to do everything she could to complete it. And so she did. She, it, it, took, it took a few hours, frankly, to get past the meltdown, and then she started working on it. And she got it done. 
As it turns out, Lindsay and her best friend at the time, probably still, were the only ones to attempt writing the paper. They were the only ones in the whole class to attempt it. The other people knew this is just too much. We're not going to do it. But hey, God rewarded her endurance. Upbeat endurance grows in the face of adversity. Now, my native, my native reflex is, hey, honey, you don't have to do that. That's okay. That's, that's a little too tough. Um, if you adopt God's perspective, though, you, you have a compass to guide you in these situations. Scripture guides like a compass in this. God wants families to be places where members of the family help each other grasp what Scripture says and grow in character, the character of Christ. Parents work on becoming godly themselves and then aim to build into their kids this godly perspective. If you combine the two major purposes for family life, you discover just broad, generally, God's ideal. As we team together to get dominion over the things he's trusted us with, we aim to grow in godly character. This is what God wants. As we're teaming to get dominion, cooperation can be a real pressure cooker. Friction creates tension, which builds pressure that can tear a family apart. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at God's ideal. We're going to look at how God can help you respond to the challenges to that ideal in a way that builds the family up rather than tearing it down. This is our goal. Here's a preview of the message series. Next week, September 23rd, we're going to look at the best relationships. We're going to look at the the ingredients of those relationships and... We're going to also uh, face the challenge, the number one challenge to those ingredients. September 30th, conflict happens. It does, doesn't it? I mean, hopefully your conflict was at a minimum on your way to church this morning. But most people, getting those wheels grinding toward church is, is difficult. Conflict happens. So how, how do we deal with conflict and Keep it from becoming toxic. That's what we're going to look at. October 7th, killer expectations. Expectations turn into demands that damage relationships. How do we deal with those rightly? October 14th, facing trouble together. How to face adversity in a way that minimizes the damage. And then October 21st, the power source. How do we tap into God who provides the power to change? We severely underestimate the impact that we're having on our families. From whatever seat we're in, our attitudes and our approach to handling the everyday details of life make a real difference, plus or minus, in the lives of our family. We spend a lot of time with our families. Why not help it be all it can be? Why not? If you're a mom, dad, kid, grandparent, aunt, uncle, cousin, you have an opportunity to make a real difference in the life of your family. If you set your sights on God's ways, learn them, and begin to live them out. These same habits spill over to make a difference in all of our circles. 
at work, among friends, in your neighborhood, here at church. I'd like to wrap it up with two ideas about how I can help my family be all it can be. First, ask God to help me be a team player. Begin to explore ways that you can use the everyday tasks of getting dominion to strengthen family relationships and character. Or, or how can you use the everyday tasks at work or here in church life? How, how can you use these things? We're trying to get dominion. We're trying to pull things together for a purpose, for a mission. How, how can I use these in a way that really blesses and strengthens the relationships? We're going to have a parenting seminar on September 30th. Uh, this is a great way to learn how to do that in family life. In whatever role you have in the family or in other arenas of life, if you're a team player, you're going to have more influence on those around you. The second idea, the second way to help the family be all it can be is to decide to follow God's blueprint. Maybe your next step today is to learn more of God's blueprint for the family and other arenas. Then build your life on what you see there, the truths and the principles and the habits. It's crucial to avoid a common mistake that we make in our culture, lumping spiritual things into the mix with other activities. We just lump it into the mix. This is a mistake because... We have souls and eternities, and our kids have souls and eternities. This means we should avoid mixing church and taekwondo, Bibles and dance, youth group and soccer, Jesus and play dates. We should avoid that. There, there's, there's really sense kids have souls and eternities. Everything pales in comparison to helping your kids know Jesus Christ and learn to follow his way. Everything pales. That's the number one priority. Because as I've experienced, if we follow Christ, if our kids follow him, Jesus will most decisively shape our character. He will shape their character. He will shape their relationships, develop solid values, forge their life purpose, help them navigate choices in dating and marriage. And in the end, our relationship to Christ and our kids' relationship with Christ will determine their eternal destiny. It's the same for all of us. So as I wrap up, I want to encourage you, make this a priority. We'd love for you to come back and join us for the rest of this series. We'd love for you to be a part of things here. Um, as I wrap up, though, I'd like to encourage you to take a next step today. On the back side of that connection card, if you take that out again, find it and take it out, there are some next steps uh, in, in the left-hand box. And I want to encourage you to take one of these next steps this week. We, we do this every week to... Try to think through, okay, what has God said to me? What does God say in the Bible? And then how can I put it into practice? So my next step today is to be more of a team player at one of the arenas you operate in, home, work, church. 
Maybe God spoke to you about doing that. Another step you could take is to attend Family Life Workshop to learn more about God's blueprint for parenting. It's just going to be a start, but you can learn more there. And then another step would be come back for the rest of this series so that you could get more of a glimpse into God's blueprint. And then another step, invite, fill in the name, someone to come with me to Church in the Valley next week. We'd love for you to bring your friends and family to church. On the right-hand side of the connection card, there's, there's also toward the top uh, on the back, there's a, a, a box that says, contact me about meeting up with someone to clarify my commitment to Christ. And you may be unsure of where you are with Jesus. We, we would love to meet up with you and encourage you to uh, figure out what the Bible says about committing your life to follow him and connecting with him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word for the blueprint you've given us. You didn't just leave us out here on our own, but you have set set out to help us, to help us make the family be all it can be, to help us make our lives be all they can be. And I just ask for the help as you've laid things on our heart today. I pray that you'd help us to follow through and do them, that you give us strength, and that we would step out to take these steps that you've laid on our hearts today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.